0: Good morning, Booker Tov. Everyone good to be back. Ten minutes of meaning, our weekly study of Misil Sisharim, in order to chart a path towards the very best version of ourselves. The Ramchar of Moshe Chaim Lutzato gives us the tools, the formula, for how it is we can live our best lives yet. Zihiros, mindfulness, cautiousness, being present in every thought, speech, and deed. zrizis alacrity, zeal, applying ourselves to be able to pursue with, with tremendous uh, energy and stamina, and uh, devotion to pursue our goals in order to achieve them. Nikias, how to rid ourselves of those habits, how to purge ourselves of the behaviors and the inclinations and the urges that undermine us. And that brings us up to the midah of Precious, how to live a transcendent life, how to practice abstinence, not because of the value, not because Hashem wants us to be deprived of joy, happiness, fulfillment, but rather because we can only live with when we've proven that we can live without and we're comfortable being able to live without. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year, Hani and Lenny Grunstein, in memory of her beloved father, Hani's father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak. Thank you to dear friends, the Grunsteins, for your generosity and sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor a particular episode, please email lee, L-E-E, at BRS online.org. Okay, we are in the middle of Paragyut Gimel, the 13th chapter of Mesil HaTasharim, the Midah, as we said, of Precious, that we're able to live with when we can live without. The ability to be disciplined, that the urge can be separated from the action. I listened to an amazing podcast last night. Tim Ferriss was uh, interviewing a guy who... uh, Wrote the blog, wrote books about Zen living, and he talked about being able to separate the urge from the action. Just because you feel the urge to look at that, or to eat that, or to say that, or to go there, or to act out, the urge doesn't need to lead to the action. You can experience and feel the urge and separate it from the action and not have it lead directly in. And that's what the meat of precious is. The meat of precious is just because you have the urge to sleep in and press snooze. You have the urge to eat that entire thing late at night. You have the urge to share or say that gossip, that juicy piece of gossip, doesn't mean you have to. We're able to withhold. We're able to express a sense of discipline and dignity and sovereignty and self-control to be able to practice the midah of pre For example, this is where we left off last week, food and drink, when free of all dietary prohibitions are permitted. What's to say? As long as things kosher, you make a bracha before and after. It's not a fast day. It's perfectly permissible to eat. Where does it say that you can't sit on the couch and down a six-pack of beer and three bags of potato chips? According to the Shulchan Aruch, according to the Code of Jewish Law, nowhere does it say that that's forbidden. If everything's kosher, you made your bracha, there's nothing wrong. Um, however, milu Akaras moshech acharav prikas ha'ol, filling your belly, eating indiscriminately, stuffing your face, satisfying an appetite and an urge not showing any discipline or self-control is going to overflow to other areas of life and it's going to impact other areas of life. So undisciplined eating lives leads to undisciplined living. Where does it say that you're not allowed to finish a bottle of wine every night at dinner? Where does it say that you can't enjoy a wonderful single malt scotch? Where does it say? Assuming it meets the standards of kashras, if it's kosher to eat, if you made a bracha before and after, then where does it say you're not allowed to? Technically you are, but just because something is permissible doesn't mean it's smart, doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's going to lead to a better version of you. So an individual allows himself to get intoxicated, inebriated. A person who satisfies that urge to drink and to keep on drinking will end up acting out, will make mistakes, will cloud their judgment. Undisciplined eating and drinking leads to undisciplined living. And discipline means freedom. As we've said many, many times before the Torah perspective, discipline equals freedom. Discipline is freedom, not the opposite. It's not that when you're undisciplined and you do whatever you want, then you're really free. If you're disciplined with money, you have more money. You're disciplined with time, you have more time. Discipline with living, you'll have more living. You'll live longer and a better life, a quality of life and a quantity of life. So discipline doesn't sacrifice or compromise or give up freedom. It's exactly the opposite the disciplined life and living leads to greater freedom. If a person is uh, used to, a person is habituated themselves to indulge and overindulge, to always have whatever they want, whenever they want, in whatever quantity they want, when they are deprived of it, they're going to get what's called hangry, Hungry and angry. There are people who, when they feel deprived of that which they normally have, the amount of sleep, the amount of food, the amount of drink, then they get withdrawal. Bitter, resentful, angry, unable to cope. Unable to cope. So if you need to be able to satisfy that urge to live that lifestyle, even if you can't afford it, there are people who go into debt People who go into debt, I'm, I'm regularly surprised, and, and frankly, feel pity for the amount of people who can't afford their regular bills and yet are indulging in tremendous luxuries of life, expensive wine, expensive scotches and alcohol collection, expensive meats, expensive delicacies, all to keep up, to impress, or simply to enjoy themselves. But if you can't afford it, then what kind of mistake, what kind of debt, what kind of tragedy to put yourself into Because you're drawn to it and you've learned that you can't live without it. So when a person lives a sense of precious, when you live with the discipline and the dignity that you don't need it, that you're able to live without it, then you're able to afford it. How tragic the individual who feels they need it. They need it to keep up. So they need to be able to eat, drink, wear, drive, live with certain things. They can't live without it. They'll cut corners in order to be able to get it. A person will be dishonest in business. A person will lie and bend the truth. A person will take an oath or a promise which isn't true. A person will forfeit and sacrifice, extra davening, extra learning, A person will give up and compromise and be corrupt in their own soul because they've become so accustomed and because they so desperately need in rather than being able to live without. So imagine, you can enjoy, If you can afford the overpriced coffee, if you can afford the expensive indulgences and luxuries of life, God bless you. As long as you share your wealth with others, if that's what you want to spend it on for yourself, you're more than entitled. It's yours. God bless you. But what happens if you run out of money or you're unable or things turn and now you've learned to live that lifestyle and you can't live without it? What happens if you've tasted it literally and metaphorically and you never could afford it to begin with, but now you feel you need it How much will you give up in life? And that's why the Ramcha, that's why Rabbi Lutzato is endorsing this practice of precious, the notion of abstinence, not an abstinence to deprive ourselves, not an abstinence to punish ourselves, but an abstinence to prove to ourselves that we don't need it, that we can live without it, that we would be fine. It doesn't define us and that we don't crave it and that we don't have an appetite for it, which will cloud our judgment, cause us to make mistakes. Masha'i'en nifter mikol what would have spared a person, how, how spared a person would be if they were never drawn to and never defined themselves and never needed that expensive clothing, that expensive lifestyle, those expensive experiences. person never needed that honor, that name, that glory, that excitement, that drive, that thrill. How much better a person would be better off if they learned to never need it. And that's what this Mida is, learning to never need it. And only once we've learned to not need it, now you can enjoy it. But what if somebody expensive it replaced your super expensive car with a hundred with, with a hundred with a 10-year-old hundred thousand mile car? Could you be as happy if it took you to point A to point B? What if you didn't have those indulgences and you lived to learn without? Could you be happy? Does it define you? Does it define your happiness? Only once we've achieved that level of precious to live, to learn, to define ourselves, not by those experiences, but by internally what we have. And this was the Torah's attitude to the rebellious son, the rebellious child. The Torah understood where those thoughts were leading. The Torah understood that a gluttonous person who habituates themselves to indulging their appetite and their gluttony and can't live without that such an individual is destined for a very challenging life. They're destined to make poor decisions, they're destined to get into trouble, they're destined to cut corners, and they're destined ultimately to bring about their own downfall. The same is true when it comes to licentiousness, lewdness, promiscuity. If you see a wayward woman, you see an adulterous woman whose life is ruined because of poor choices of the moment, immediately a person should recoil and immediately should pledge and promise to withdraw from drinking wine. Why is that the reaction? Why is that the boundary that the person has to draw? That if you see somebody who's made poor mistakes, you see somebody who in a moment of indulgence threw away their whole life for a fleeting pleasure, a transient experience. Why is it that you have to recoil and take a vow not to drink wine? Because we know that there are certain indulgences in particular which promote which become a platform and a driver of poor decisions and of mistakes. Alcohol and overindulgence in alcohol is one of them. I don't mean a small glass of wine at dinner, which is good for your heart, according to cardiologists. I'm talking about the need to escape, to numb oneself, the need to indulge and to pour for others. So the evil inclination person, while they're distant and far from making these mistakes, has to remain far away, has to maintain that clarity of vision. I don't need those things. I can enjoy them occasionally. I can experience them. I can identify the pleasure in them, but I don't need them. They don't define me. They're not who I am. I'm disciplined. I'm able to live without. Take vows occasionally. This notion of absence of precious doesn't have to be permanent. You could say, for one month, I'm not going to experience A, B, and C. So the next month, when I do enjoy it again... It doesn't define me, and I don't need it. So therefore, this of Precious is not an end to itself. It's a means. We can experience the world more fully when we know that we own it. It doesn't own us. And that's how we can achieve a better version of ourselves. Join us in 15 minutes, 845, Living with Amuna. Tonight, 9 o'clock, we go behind the bima. If you're enjoying on our YouTube channel, please subscribe and find out each time we go live. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.